This episode, we are going to talk with Alice. Alice was someone that I got to know when her youngest child was just an infant, six months old. Now that child is eight years old. When I first met her, I would never have known that she had a difficult time as a child. You would have never known that she had to figure out a lot of the education system on her own. You would have never known that her parents were having a difficult time understanding who she was. Alice took on her life and her education and her experiences from her early childhood through adolescence, and she took it on by herself and figured out what was going on with her brain, figuring out what was going on with her abilities, and never really let that stop her in any way. Alice is also going to share her experiences raising her children, and especially one of her children who is also experiencing and has experienced a very difficult time in learning. Once again, I think this is another wonderful way of looking at people from different perspectives and also looking at our children and understanding our children's behavior. Alice and all our episodes are really looking at how these four families have really focused on their children's behaviors and learned how to understand them. I kind of have similar backgrounds to both Sebastian and John. I have alcoholic parents. I have learning disabilities. My parents got divorced when I was five. And pretty much when I went to college, I learned that what I experienced as a child was called parentification, where my mom really couldn't handle being a parent, their own issues and her alcohol and everything. And so I really had to take charge of my world as a five-year-old and made my lunch every day and walked to school and, you know, got myself dressed and did all that. I mean, I felt like my mom was very loving. My dad was more authoritarian. But, you know, they did the best they could. But I struggled in school because I was never diagnosed with learning disabilities. I didn't figure that out until I got to college. But basically, like you, Sebastian, I was told, you know, I probably wouldn't go to college. And, you know, my SAT scores were terrible, but I got into college. And then I transferred to a bigger school because I started at a small, really liberal arts college, and it just wasn't a good fit. But I was playing sports and playing an instrument. And I transferred to a state school and gave up all my extracurricular activities and got like a 3.5 GPA my first semester. And I was like, wow, I really am smart. I, I, you know, I, I had to work extra hard. I had to work harder than everyone else I knew. So then I slowly added back in my, my instrument. And then I took the GREs to go to grad school. And lo and behold, they were pretty terrible and about the same as my SAT scores because it's a standardized test and I don't fit into that box. But luckily, I had worked every summer in different research labs and got people to write me letters of recommendation. And one of them even did a literature search that showed that GRE scores don't predict how you're going to do in grad school. And here I am with a PhD. So it was a long, hard road to get there, and I had to work really hard, but I made it. So yeah, I have dyslexia for sure. I probably have the basic math one, and I probably have dysgraphia. I'm not really sure what that one is, but I'm pretty sure I have them all. Um, <laughs> and what's interesting is, you know, I have to really, and I'm, I really have to focus, and my kids, if they're reading a book or want to spell in the car while I'm driving, I have to be like, nope, we can't, can't, I can't do that. I have to focus on driving. 
and uh, you know, I'm not good with phonics and how to spell, and I have to explain to them as they're learning English, like, yeah, it's it's a hard language to learn, and stuff does not sound like how it spells, and my husband really has to help with the math because I really can't help with math beyond like you know multiplication and division, and then my kids, my son is 11, he has like a sensory kind of learning disorder thing where he's very tactile and needs to touch things and he likes to process information just sort of he kind of goes into his own little world and does that i've had to be his advocate at school he has had some amazing teachers that have helped him along the way his third grade teacher is really the one that figured out he had a a real issue that actually brought us to get vision therapy because he was born with a vision issue where he was who wasn't converging properly. And so because he was learning cursive, all of a sudden his handwriting was really neat because she was saying as he was printing it, he'd keep looking up and looking up and it was like all over the place. But cursive, since he didn't pick up the pencil till he was done, I really equate her to finding that. So he did that for about a year. And then he's just a really sweet, kind kid, likes to play sports, but isn't very competitive and was in soccer for a while. And but just was getting bullied on the playground and knew it and just finding his way. And now he's in sixth grade and he's doing really great. And his last year he got on a 504 where they wouldn't, the school wouldn't touch him because his grades were fine. So academically they said he was fine. So I really, again, had to be an advocate. And thanks to my Beth, we found him like he got him testing and all that kind of stuff. But I, I see, you know, he has trouble with phonics and stuff, but I don't know if that's equated to having vision issue it that we didn't catch right away. And then he went on a 504 kind of near the end of the school year in fifth grade. And then his sixth grade teacher, a lot of the stuff that was in the 504 isn't an issue this year. Like he's doing really well. He has a way to kind of have something in his hand and his teacher said she can bring him back and he focuses. He seemed like he matured a lot this year. And then my daughter is nine and she, I think she also, well, okay, my son has anxiety. Uh, I think my daughter has anxiety, but manifested in a different way. So she, my son and I are similar in that we just talk all the time, like about whatever's going on. <laughs> and my daughter, my husband more like keep it in for a while and then explode. So I'm trying to help her with that and just sort of seeing that she's highly competitive like her father just is very athletic and has that. My son had to um, pretty much be in a table by himself like he couldn't have a seat partner because he would hum and he was like drumming with his highlighters or whatever and that was obviously very disturbing to the class. And then it was interesting that he would go to a different classroom for math and he was allowed to, apparently allowed to stand and, and he stood in there and he did much better in her class than he did in his homeroom class. And as the school year progressed, he got a little better, but it was a lot of the teacher redirecting him a lot. I think that was a big struggle for him last year. Yeah, the playground situation in fourth grade was really bad because I guess there's a lot of competitive boys at the school and... I didn't really feel like they dealt with it very well. They just said there's a lot of competitive boys because he wanted to just play Foursquare and just blow off steam, and they were targeting him. And there was one day that, he, you know, he knew they were targeting him, and it was just he just like, you know, wanted to just blow off steam. And he got mad, and he punched the ball, and it hit some kid in the face, and he had to go to the principal, and then he had to go to detention. <laughs> so he knew that they were – they didn't want him to play because he wasn't very good. 
and you know he he wasn't because he's not competitive he didn't care if he won but he was he's very much about the rules and he would be like call you out and say okay but that wasn't out or this and that and so he was just very much about the rules and he knew that they were just not wanting him to be there and not wanting to play with him and I think he's really come a long way because he said something to me I don't know a couple weeks ago about something come up about popular kids and he was like yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a popular kid. They don't seem to have it going on. And, and, uh, I always feel like he's definitely a kid that doesn't fit the mold and doesn't want to be put in a box because he's not a typical boy in that he's super sweet and caring. And whenever we have friends over with littler kids, he, you know, he takes care of them and plays with them and, you know, he's just really sweet. And, and I love that about him. Knowing Adam and, and seeing the struggles that he had over the last two years, Alice, I have to commend you and your husband on taking those steps to be to be the child's advocate, to be that child's voice in the world that was not listening to him. You know, we focus so much on schools, and I've asked a lot about schools, but I want to also have you share, you were able to tap into his creative side also. Um, Adam is a very creative child. And you took steps to find environments for him where he could thrive outside of the school. So the school wasn't the whole focus of his life, and it isn't for a child. And we forget that sometimes, that school isn't always the answer for every child, but school isn't the main focus of a child's life. The child's life is far beyond those, those schoolroom doors. And you took a really great uh, caring approach and, and time and time and time that you took to find him that niche. So talk a little bit about what you found for him and what activities maybe that you found that really helped him. He does some really great things. So share some of those, please. Well, sure. In fifth grade, he got to be in the school choir, and he's also in that sixth grade, and he totally thrives in that. He loves that. He loves performing. And then also for three summers in a row, he did the summer acting camp. And that's been great because he learned there's like 10 classes a day and he got to do all kinds of things like sword fighting and stagecraft and singing and acting and tap. And, and so he's definitely more drama, more creative, more artistic in that way. He has an amazing imagination. And a lot of times I say you should write down the things that you're thinking about when you go into your little world with your sensory thing in your hand. You know, he says he wants to write a screenplay or a movie. I was like, you should totally do that. Like write it down, type it, whatever. Get your thoughts down because he's crazy smart and has a great imagination and it would be great to harness that. And he also does uh, Taekwondo. So that's another good way for him to, I think it's been helping him, you know, because they meditate kind of at the beginning and the end of that and they learn discipline and respect. And I think that's been really good for him as well. Both pieces for him do give that, that avenue for him, that creative piece, and also the Taekwondo, which is the body organization, using his body and understanding where his body is. That's, that was a big piece when he was in fourth grade of, of the playground play and not being, quote unquote, as coordinated as the other children. But in his own way, he was out there just playing, and the other children at his age were out there with organized play, and it wasn't really working for both of them. and But he was able to, with the school's help, with your guidance, really work through and understand that you know everyone develops differently. Everyone develops at different time. And, and he's on that path. He's on that road and did a great job. And you talk about anxiety. I think we all have to understand we're all anxious. We all have our anxiety pieces. We all manifest them in so many different ways. And sometimes with children, it is more out there. 
And I think continuing, you know, with Adam and his anxiety, you know how to slow things down for him, to give him the time to go into that processing world that you talk about with him, his hands, his body, taking that time to, to just to give him that space. And it's hard as a parent to, to see your child doing strange maneuverings, moving their hands or chewing on something or pulling on something or <laughs> having to have something in your hands or making repetitive behaviors. It's hard to see your child do these things. But you have learned and your husband is learning also the, the, that this is a processing time for him. And that processing is key to him working through, understanding, understanding himself, understanding his world, taking in the world and being able to see what his next steps are. And Ava, you're exactly right with Ava. How many times and phone calls we've had on Ava and her volcano? She does fester. She does hold. We know with Ava, when she is in that moment of, I need my space, give her, runs again. Adam does it more physical, touching, moving. Ava does, leave me alone. Let me just roll, hide and scream sometimes and then work it through and then give her the space and she comes back and she comes back in a loving way. It's just so hard when they're being defiant and they're being difficult, but it's just all these individual children to see them, how they manage the same pieces, the same, under, you know, anxiety, pressures, processing, learning, all these things. Every child is so unique that way. And in your childhood growing up, you managed yourself you managed yourself through your childhood and took it upon yourself to learn about yourself, to be your advocate. And I had the privilege of being your advocate and being part of your life. And I'm, I'm very privileged to be part of that. So thank you. Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wing. The music you hear on our podcast is courtesy of Stephen Morell. If you have a question for Mary Beth and the Everyday Parenting Podcast community, please join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook. We're also still looking for episode sponsors. Rates begin at just $60 and you'll be reaching out directly to the parents who listen to this podcast. Don't miss our next episode. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts and don't forget to take the time out to find us and rate us on iTunes.